Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. I always they have said... They were mostly said, happy. They've been awesome. I keep saying to everybody that this is going to be my last thing that I say is God does everything through... Relationship. And in those relationships, God's bring, God brings so much healing. And in our marriage relationship, Pastor RJ, one of the things that he has demonstrated in our marriage relationship so incredibly well is humility. And so we've been married 20 years. I want to frame this for you. So from the very first day that we began to court, Pastor RJ always opened my door, any door, everything or carried something for me. He would always do that. And coming from my background, I was like, you know, Miss Independent. And I'd be like, what are you trying to open my door for? I can open my door. I don't need you to open my door. I can carry this. I don't need you to carry this for me. And he would gently, as he always does, say to me, Mary, I know that you are capable. You are so capable. I long and desire to serve you. I want to serve you. And I want to honor you and esteem you highly above myself. Would you let me serve you this way? And so he had to train me. He would make me do laps around the car every time I tried to open the door and I'd forget. He'd make me do laps. It took her a long time. Yeah. And I, and so, and opening doors. And so, but when it really, really impacted me and really affected me in my life was when, when we were married and we had our first disagreement. And after our first disagreement, we had to go somewhere and he still came to open my door. And I was really angered and annoyed by that, <laughs> that he came to open my door. And, but listen to me, he demonstrated something that was never modeled for me, ever. And he modeled it for me and he continues to model it for me every way in the way he leads our home, in the way he covers us, in the way he leads our children. Is that, he said, Mary, we can have a disagreement but that will never stop me from serving you and loving you. We can disagree, but I will still serve you and love you and I will not let the enemy get in between us. And we can talk about it some more, but I will still open your door. I will still serve you. And in that moment, you know what that did for me? That just heaped coals over my head. It, 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 and it also fulfilled inside of me an unconditional love that I had never really like, felt and experienced in a, from another man that that was so unconditional and he gave that to me and then he showed it to me when it mattered the most when it was really hard for him and he esteemed me higher church he's not a perfect man what? he's not what? but I will say this wait a minute with all honesty <laughs> and sincerity that 
he is an imperfect man whose heels run hard after a perfect God. And he chases him down with everything in him in humility to actually esteem you higher and lift you higher and to be able to serve you. And, you know, he challenged us last week to 40 days of thankfulness. And one of the things that we have been so thankful for is you. God does everything through relationship. We cannot do church. We cannot do this, just the two of us. We need you. We need all of you. And we're so thankful for all of you. I'm so humbled by all of you that come and serve. I'm so thankful for everyone that was here before I got here to turn on the lights, to turn on the sound, to turn on it, to, to be here for us. I'm so thankful for our worship. I'm so thankful for them that how they lead us in to worship. And that opens up my heart fulfilled with gratitude for all that God has done for us and everything that we have in each other. He does those things through relationship. He serves us. Jesus served us. And we need to come alongside and serve each other. Amen? But I want to thank you for loving me well. I do love you. And one of the things that our, Pastor RJ says to me all the time is I tell him I love him. And he says to me, I love you more. And I say to him, as it should be. <laughs> and, and that's not in a way that's arrogant. It's in a way that he does give his life for me. He gives up his life for me. And in response to that great love and that outpouring of his life for me, I have unending love and admiration and respect for him. And it does just keep getting better. Yes, it does. I love, I love you. you too. I have an amazing wife. I'm grateful to Kim for giving us that moment today because that was absolutely Kim's plan. <laughs> Okay. Now, what was I talking about? It's okay. We're talking about salt and light. Um, today's version of salt and light will be called Covenant of Salt. Now, how many know what the Covenant of Salt is? One who was here at first service? Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, Here's three verses from Leviticus, Numbers, and Chronicles. You know, those have got to be the most read books in the Bible. I talk to people all the time and say, hey, what's your favorite book of the Bible? Leviticus, Numbers, and Second Chronicles never get mentioned. So we're going to give them a little airtime today. In Second Chronicles 13, 4 to 5, uh, Amplified. Then Abijah stood on Mount Zemaraim, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, and said... Listen to me, Jeroboam, and all of Israel. Do you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave rule over Israel forever to David and his sons by a covenant of salt, a permanent pact extending to each generation of Israel? In Leviticus 2, 13, you shall season every grain offering with salt so that the salt preservation of the covenant, your God, will not be missing from your grain offering. You shall offer salt with all your offerings. So that tells me right there, man, if God had to choose between sweet and salty, salty every time, 
He even goes on and says, no honey, no sweet. <laughs> Not with the offerings. All the offerings of the holy things which the Israelites offer to God, I've given them to you and your sons and your daughters is your, your continual allotment. It is an everlasting covenant of salt that cannot be dissolved or violated before the Lord to you and to your descendants with you. So the language that we're using here is covenant. And, you know, I really feel that in the culture today, people lack an understanding of what covenant is supposed to be. In churches, we have some understanding of covenant and, and making uh, long-term commitments and, and decisions and, and committing to our word being our bond. Uh, but it's talking about this everlasting covenant. And salt is often the symbol of the covenant here. And, and we know foundationally God has always interacted with mankind on the basis of covenant, starting in Eden in the garden and then through Noah. And you all know the sign of Noah's covenant, right? Yeah, the rainbow. And then, you know, it goes on through Abraham and then eventually Moses, you know, God brought forth a nation and then he established his law and then he brought forth a household, David, the Davidic covenant. And eventually Jesus came on the scene and initiated the new covenant that we live in today. But when we're looking at everlasting covenants and how God interacts with mankind, often covenants were sealed or ratified by eating together or the taking of salt. In some of the uh, Eastern world, when people eat together, they become their friends. They only would eat together if they're friends. Frenemies don't eat together. But salt, it prevents corruption and it presents the unchangeable nature of God and his covenant. It purifies, it cleanses. Do you know you need salt to survive? You can live without pepper. You can like it, but you can't live without salt, okay? And all of the communication within your cells, the nervous impulses, your liver, your heart, they, they all need salt. All of your cells need salt. Uh, you couldn't live without it. Which leads me to Philippians 2, verses 3, 4, and 5. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit through factual motives or strife, factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility being neither arrogant nor self-righteous. Regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility. So Jesus, or uh, Paul is right in the Philippian church, and he's talking about how we need to honor others more than ourselves. We need to prefer others more than ourselves. We need to serve others more than ourselves. We do this as Christ did, humbly. But what happens is you are the salt to those around you. We're salt and we're light. That's the whole concept that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And if you're the salt around you, let me ask you, when's the last time you thanked your husband or wife for making a nice meal for you? or for cleaning the house, or for doing your laundry, or for, shall I fill in the blanks? Or, hey peeps, the little peeps, the younger peeps, you thank your parents for feeding you and clothing you and putting a roof over your head, and even letting you play video games in their house sometimes? All the kids went <laughs> Are you adding to the lives of the people around you, or are you taking away? Are you constantly taking and draining others or are you adding to the lives? Are you salting the world around you? Or are you adding flavor or are you sucking the life out of everyone that comes into contact with you? We're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to season the world around us. People are quick to praise the unlooked for assistance and kindness of a stranger. 
But do you appreciate the little things in life with the people that are in your life every day? Your coworkers, your friends, your family. One thing I try to do as much as is humanly possible, um, I try to recognize that people are just that, they're people. They're humans, just like me. And they're going through stuff, just like everyone else. And, and, you know, when you go to a restaurant and the server comes to your table, how do you talk to that server? Because the truth is, there's some people I refuse to eat with because they don't know how to talk to servers properly. And, and sometimes in Christianity, this will be a bonus I'll throw in, you know, Christians like to really receive thanks really loud and proud. But then if you're going to do that, make sure you pay the server for their service. Don't cheap out on the tip. If you're going to bless the food, you need to bless the server too. Otherwise, your prayer has no power. Just a thought. You know, the people stuck in traffic with you are just that. They're people stuck in traffic with you. (laughs) They're just as frustrated as you are, you know. How about this one? Telemarketers, they're just trying to pay the bills. Okay. I guess I should apologize to the telemarketers because I don't always treat them as I should. I'm not always nice to telemarketers. And with that in mind, you know, bill collectors aren't exactly high on my list either. I don't really owe anyone money for myself, but man, when I got this phone and this phone number, let me tell you something. There was a lady named Melanie that had the phone before me, and I assure you, she owes everybody money. She probably owes you money. And the other thing is, I didn't know there were so many collections agencies out there, my goodness. I feel so bad for Melanie that I almost want to pay her debt so they will stop calling me. I even had the police call me looking for Melanie. Look, I'm working on it. I'm getting better with the telemarketers and the Melanies, (laughs) the collection agencies. But how about you? What are you working on with people? How are you doing with serving others with humility and grace? You know, we all have stuff to work on. I want to move on from there because we're talking about this salt and light and covenant of salt. And how many know Lot's wife? Remember her? They never even recorded her name. They just, she's forever known as Lot's wife. And how many know what her end destination was? A pillar of salt. You know, it's kind of funny if you start reading secular humanism trying to explain this. Well, we think that um, she just took too long, and as the sulfur was falling, it just started covering her, and she eventually died, and it turned her into salt. And I'm like, oh, uh. or, or, you know, Jewish tradition will tell you that uh, when the angels came into their household, that she went to all the neighbors and asked for salt, because you always offered the strangers salt. You know, you eat food together, the salt. She didn't want to give of their salt, but that alerted the neighbors to the men that were there, and that created a little bit of a problem. So then she was judged by salt. I don't know if my belief system is going to be based on Jewish tradition either. But what I can tell you is it seemed that she was longing for the old life. She was trying to go back to what was. And when you become a new creation, the old is gone. When you come into Christianity, you leave the old life behind. You don't want to go back to the mess that you came out of, or do you? When God took you out of darkness and put you into light and he forgave you of your sin and your shame and your guilt, why would we want to go back to that? We don't look back, we move forward. Doesn't Jesus even say, remember Lot's wife somewhere? Luke 9, 62, no, go back up, too far. 
Luke 17, 32. Remember what happened to Lot's wife when she looked back. Whoever seeks to save his life will eventually lose it through death. And whoever loses his life in this world will keep it from the consequence of sin and separation from God. You know, God required salt with every covenant sacrifice, you know. And I think going back to that point on sweet or salty, because it said no honey. God wanted the salt. He didn't want the honey. But the, the salt represent the unchangeableness, and it was preserved. I think one, one author was talking about how you can eat salt, digest it, excrete it. It goes back to nature, and then you can harvest it again in the future. Do you like some pepper with that? <laughs> but they're just talking about the unchangeable nature of salt because it dissolves, but it doesn't unform. But uh, the, the thing is, the gospel offends. This is what I'm trying to get to here. People try to sugarcoat the gospel, but the truth is if you're preaching the cross, people are going to get offended. In fact, I wonder sometimes. Do you ever wonder? Do you ever sit and wonder? Do you know, I'll do my best thinker pose. You ever wonder how people living the Christian life cannot get called a bigot in the culture today? In fact, I wonder sometimes if you haven't been attacked for your Christianity by the world system, are you really living the Christian life? Because we can do all things with love, but light dispels darkness. And when the light's shining in the midst of the darkness, darkness hates the light. So if you're not getting some hatred out there, are you, is your light shining or are you hiding under a bushel trying to sugarcoat stuff? I'm just asking. I'm not telling you what you're doing. I'm letting you determine that. But you know... We have to speak the truth. Yeah, I know we speak the truth a little bit. We have to speak the truth at all times. It's, it's, it's a known, I'll call it a fault of mine. <laughs> People come to the altar. Can you pray with me for this? Sure. Um, can I ask you a question? Is this true? No. Well, I can't pray for you for that. You know, for instance, pastor, can you pray with me for my finances? Sure, I will gladly do that. Do you pay tithes of the finances that are entrusted to you? No. Well, I can't bless what God's cursed. <laughs> or... Someone else will say, can you pray with me for this health issue? And I'll say, are you eating these foods that are poisoning your system? Yes. Well, stop eating those foods. Your problem will go away. See, we can, so they just go to someone else. <laughs> and hopefully someone else will agree with them in prayer. But God's principles are still true. The gospel still offends. It says the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. And, and we have to come to the place, we have to understand we must never settle for harmony at the expense of holiness, nor for peace at the expense of principle. And that's John Bradford that said that. You know who John Bradford was? He was martyred in the 15th century for his faith in Jesus. He's the one that actually coined the phrase. He was, he was watching a, a, another prisoner go out to be executed, and he said, there, but the grace of God goes John Bradford. And later that changed to, there, but the grace of God goes I. Have you ever heard that statement? or made that statement. That's John Bradford. He also said, we can't settle for harmony at the expense of holiness. That means that you can't get along with everyone if it's going to cost you what is holy in your life. There's no middle ground there. I'm not going to compromise my belief in Christ and the holiness that he's called me to just because I want to get along with some people in harmony. You can't have peace at the expense of biblical principle. And in our world today, 
we're trying to obtain peace outside of Christ, outside of biblical principle. It will never last because it always falls to one side or the other. It's not balanced properly. In the Beatitudes, Jesus says we're the salt of the earth. He goes on in Luke 9, 62, but Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. We break away from the former way of living when we come to Christ. Something changes in your heart and you start walking in a different direction and you leave the old life behind. And I understand and realize that it's a process for all of us as we're walking away from the old life. But we don't go back to the things we used to do. You know, um, in Proverbs 1-7, in Proverbs chapter 9, it talks about wisdom and knowledge based on what? The fear of the Lord, right? It must be present if you want knowledge and understanding or wisdom. A double-minded person, it says in James, I'll read it to you in a second, is someone who has divided loyalties. James 1.8, being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. See, if you're double-minded with divided loyalties, you're not operating in the fear of the Lord. Therefore, you're not going to have wisdom. Therefore, the things that you're believing for and trying to get insight and revelation on and trying to understand, you're not going to get because where you're double-minded, there's confusion. It's not peace that comes from above, it's confusion. You can't see straight, you can't hear properly what the Holy Spirit is saying to you when you're double-minded. We can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. We either love God or we love the world. You can't love both. They're incompatible. I can't love my wife and another woman as, you know, it doesn't work that way. I know, don't worry. Are you a pillar of salt that has lost its saltiness? Or are the pillars in your life wisdom and the fear of the Lord that are going to stand secure? And the truth is, if we base our life on wisdom from the Word of God, we will stand firm in the culture that we live in. We will be able to season the world around us and change the flavor and the atmosphere everywhere that we go. But too many people, they try to sugarcoat the gospel. They try to take shortcuts. They don't want to believe that the Word of God is true. They want to believe that humanism supersedes the Word of God. And in their own method of trying to accomplish things, they always fall short. It never works out how they think it should. Okay, which leads me to, can everyone say salted with fire? That's a, that's a mouthful. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read a verse to you in Mark 9. And as far as commentators, theologians, and pastors, people, you know, maybe like me a little bit, trying to determine exactly what Jesus is saying here, man, oh man, let me tell you something. This verse makes us work. In Mark 9, 49 to 50, for everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good and useful, but if it's lost its saltiness, its purpose, how will you make it salty? Have salt within you, within yourselves continually, and be at peace with one another. The context of these statement about salted with fire is Jesus is talking about if your eye offends, you pluck it out. If your hand offends, you cut it off. Or, you know, he's, he's saying this, and we're not literally supposed to do this, but what Jesus is saying is it's better to be maimed and live for God than it is to be whole and die 
and live apart from him. Okay, that's what he's trying to say. And you know, I, I recently I stopped by at the church one night and Celebrate Recovery was running and I was talking to a lady who'd been clean now or sober for like 30 years or more. And we were kind of, she was kind of just chatting with me a little bit about, you know, hey, what do you think about, you know, the people that want to go back to the bars and have one drink after they've been sober for a while? And I said, don't do it. I said, it's not good wisdom to go back and hang out where you used to be. The Bible says we, we, we turn from our past life and we move forward. We don't look back because there's nothing good there. It's going to lead down to a path of destruction. And, and so when I tell people, you know, it's better to avoid bars than fall back into sin, there's good wisdom in that. But you know, hey, if you just beat gluttony, I recommend you stay away from buffets. If you got free from porn addiction, you better have some limits or some filters. If you're beyond bitterness and offense, you need to guard your heart. All of the above require some accountability or friends who salt us in the right direction when we're struggling. Isn't that what they do? They salt our lives. They encourage us to pull along in the right direction. So many times people try to go alone in the Christian journey and we weren't meant to go alone. We were created for each other. And together we're stronger. Together we overcome Satan. You know, McLaren's exposition, here's, the, here's all the guys talking about it. There's a fire that destroys, and we know that. There's a fire, not, not only the literal fire that will like consume things and only leave what's left, uh, the, the pure stuff that's left, especially with metals, but there's also the fires of hell. But there's also a fire that preserves. That's the fire of God that burns away the sin inside of our life. It preserves us. How do you know life goes better with less sin? The more you let the fire of God in your life, the less sin you're going to walk in, the less consequence you're going to have to walk out. How many like consequences? No takers. Oh, come on. Aren't they good for you? The alternative for every man is to choose between the destructive and conserving influences. Christian disciples have to submit to be salted with fire, lest a worse thing befall them. See, the context here is to Christians. You either go into the fire and let God start purifying you, you start letting the process of sanctification happen in your life where you become more like Christ, or you don't, but it's going to end up. If you leave sin in your life too long, it will destroy you. It will bring you down. And there's another guy that talks about by voluntarily entering his course of self-denial and renunciation of his sins and submitting to the purifying fire of self-transformation. See, when we're talking about being salted with fire, there's two kind of concepts that are alike but different, right? Because salt purifies or preserves. I mean, have you ever put salt in a wound? I don't get them so much anymore, but when I was younger, I used to get those mouth ulcers, canker sores, really bad. And everybody tells me what works and doesn't work. Um, elderberry, L-lysine, and believe it or not, salt is one of the most effective things. But man, if you ever put salt on one of those things, let me tell you, you want to pray in tongues for a few minutes. <laughs> My wife will tell you, you know you ever hit your thumb with a hammer? I say rats, because <laughs> it's better than some other words I could say. <laughs> But salt stings when you place it on the moon, but it begins healing and sterilizing almost instantly. God's fire scorches our flesh, our desires, our pride, our selfish ambition. It gets scorched by God's fire on our life, but it purges the sin, the dross out of our life. It's good for us. 
Our weakness produces the pain in our lives. God's fire and the salt is what's going to preserve the nature of Christ in you. And it's released through the trials we go through. People say, hey, I want to have some great faith. I'm greatly great. You're going to go through some stuff, and it's going to increase your faith. And when you're going through stuff, you know what, God? Maybe I don't want such great faith anymore. <laughs> Maybe I don't. You know, it's like the guy that plays, prays for patience. Someone at the first service was like, that was stupid. <laughs> Why? When you pray for patience, you get lots of opportunities to be patient, don't you? Like that person going 20 in the 40 the other day, Isabel, when we were driving into your work. Remember that? Wouldn't let you buy. We had to exercise great patience. Could have ran about as fast, rollerbladed as fast as they were driving. I was like, hey, yay, yay. Patience, right? Salt preserves, it increases longevity, and it's a byproduct of spiritual cleansing. It strengthens us and produces stability, which leads me to Romans 5. But that's not all, verse 3. And this is in the Passion Translation. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us. Patient endurance and patient endurance will refine our character. Improving character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because now or we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That's the power of God most fully revealed when your character starts transforming and you experience the love of God. It's an awesome feeling to be in the place that God wants you at just the right moment, at just the right time. Why don't you all stand with me? And as we go into communion, I just want to challenge you. Maybe you've never repented of your sins. Maybe you've never given your life to God. If we repent of our sin and give our life to God, surrender to him, believe in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, he'll save you. He'll give you forgiveness. He'll cleanse you. And your life can turn around. And he'll take your old nature and he'll give you a new nature. And you know, this is a picture of what happens in baptism, which we'll do next week. And uh, as we go into communion, I should just, I'll refer to this one more time. I would like to encourage all of you, either please show up about five to ten minutes before the service for the pre-show where they'll give you the announcements, or you need to go onto the website and get onto our newsletter. You just need an email address. We send it out every week. So you can know what's happening um, around here. You know, if you would have got this week's newsletter, you would realize that Bernard and Rita Laporte are celebrating their 65th wedding anniversary, so three times and a bit longer than my wife and I, but we'll get there one day, maybe, if God tarries. You would know that um, we're not going to be doing Quest this year. Uh, we're going to be doing a movie night on October 23rd. So um, I'll encourage all of you. Um, we're still making candy packs for all the children, so if you would like to donate some money to that, that would be appreciated because it's probably too late to get candy in unless you want to drop it off uh, tomorrow. Um, we do have our classes coming online soon. Um, you can see all that information there on the website as well. Uh, you will get baptized next week should you need to be. And also, on November 21st, we have a one-day encounter. We rewrote the encounter right now to fit with some of the things, so um, I would encourage all of you. There's going to be some changes, but if you've never been on an encounter, I'll highly encourage you to uh, find out a little bit more about that and sign up. It is going to be $30 a person, including three meals, and uh, registration will begin next week in the Children's Church foyer.
So if you want that information moving forward, you're going to have to be on the newsletter or come to the pre-show because um, I don't want to take time out of the service to do that on a regular basis. Father, I thank you for the bread in our hands. Thank you that Jesus is the bread of life. And you came and you made a covenant with us. And Lord, I ask that your healing power will be released over our congregation and families now. Bring healing. Free the minds, Lord, that are shackled by the chains of the enemy. I thank you that as your people realize their identity in you and rise up and take their place, that this world will never be the same. So we thank you for all that you've done today, Father. Amen. And Father, for the cup, your blood cleanses us. The blood of Jesus is powerful, and we receive forgiveness of sins because of the blood. Lord, today, I thank you for your purifying process that's going on inside of all of our hearts and our lives. That truly, the salt with fire from the Holy Spirit will continue the work inside of us that only you can do, Father. Change us and transform us so that we can truly be reflectors of your glory here on earth. Help us in all that we have to do. And if there's any darkness in the depths of our heart, search it out, God, and expose it so that we can get rid of it. And your healing can flow in the name of Jesus. So at this time, at the end of the service, we receive tithes. And I know that looks a little different than it used to. And there's some buckets and boxes and online and different ways that people donate. But God loves a cheerful giver. And uh, his word is true. And seed time and harvest is in the earth today because that's his principle. So I'll pray for you as you go. Father, I thank you for the great opportunity we have to sow into your kingdom today. That you open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing we can't contain. Lord, that you rebuke the devourer from our lives. And for those that sow, Lord, into the poor and sow into projects and different things, multiply their seed. And let your gospel go out to our city and to our nation so that many souls will be touched as a result of people's giving today. And Lord, as everyone goes, I thank you that we can remember that while we're in the process, we can season the world around us with your love as we love you and as we love others. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, everyone. We'll look forward to talking to you next time.